I want to just say something as we get rolling here this morning. I want us to say our declaration today and um, our, our core value declaration. But I want to just mention something to you. This morning, the Lord just woke me up and began to speak to me some, I mean, several confirmations of this. God's having a conversation with us right now. Uh, just begin to share and begin to declare. I believe God wants to speak to, how many know God wants to speak to us? Right? A good father has communication with the sons and daughters. And so I want to challenge you to really pay attention, really pray attention, um, because I felt the Lord started revealing to me the season we're coming into as a church and as the church. And it was really uh, just an exciting, remarkable thing as I was sensing that. And I, we're going to talk about this Tuesday morning at prayer, if you're able to be here for that. I'm not just going to show up and share what God's saying, but I want to provoke that we hear, and then we're going to gather in that. And I felt, you know, normally I hear something like that in prayer, and then I just come preach it. Um, but I felt this morning that the Lord was asking that we pray into it first. So if your schedule permits you to be there Tuesday morning, we're going to be talking about hearing the voice of God, sharing a little bit of that. Several people, I believe, will be hearing specific things that God wants to speak. You know, we don't want to just show up and have church. How many of you agree with that? We don't want to just show up and have church. We want to be the men and women of God that He's called us to be. When Derek got up here and he began you know, exhorting us and challenging us, like, you're not here just to get your praise on, and, you know, you're really here to break into something that God wants to break into. The kingdom of God is trying to break in, and you and I are the gates. Lift up your head, O ye gates, that this king may come in. Can I just get some gates to join with me as we welcome in the presence of God today all that he desires to do, all that he desires to accomplish, making us more of what He desires for us to be. We don't want to play the Christian game. We don't want to play the church game. We're not interested in churchianity. We really love Jesus, and we want to grow to be more like Him. So as we gather as the church, we worship together, we break bread and the Word together, then we become these outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. That's the layout of our core values. So we'll put those up on the screen. Let's all say them together. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. I did better when it wasn't on the screen. So, um, the Lord's going to help us to do that. It's His desire that we be more like Jesus, isn't it? It is God's desire that we be more like Christ. So what we're trying to do is to discover the revelation of Christ throughout the course of Scripture, I'm um, I, I just, again, sensing just a little bit of a window here that I'm going to finish today with um, Jesus revealed in a book of Scripture, and then we're going to take just a week or two and focus in on uh, some conversation I believe God's wanting to have and get right back to it so that every book of the Bible, all the way through Genesis to Revelation, is in, uh, on our website and available uh, where we learn history, context, and how Jesus is revealed. Jesus is in Genesis. Jesus is in Exodus. I'm actually going to start today by sharing how Jesus is in Numbers just briefly because it aligns with where we're going today. But Jesus said in John chapter 5, the scriptures speak of me. And that's where we want to pick up again today. Pass down the books if you would. Get signed in. Take out your note card. 
You have notes, what we're talking about on one side, and events and schedule on the other, uh, with a lot of things unfolding and, and going. So, Jesus revealed in Scripture. This is really wild as we take a look today in the book of Galatians, how Jesus is revealed as our Redeemer. Everyone say, our Redeemer. Okay, Jesus is enough. We need to understand that. We don't need more than Jesus. We just need Jesus. And so I want us to go back and find this incredible expression in Scripture. I love digging into verses of Scripture and finding the things that God has hidden in there. The Old Testament, we say it often, but it's richly furnished and dimly lit. And sometimes you have to study into a few layers to get what God's revealing. I think eternity is going to be filled with these incredible insights as we learn more of what God had embedded for us to get now something about there's an awakening that happens within us spiritually as we start to see this. So I want to take you to this incredible layout of what most people would read in their Bibles and just blah, 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 blah. They would not pay much attention at all to the fact that there are 130,000 people in the three tribes above the uh, Ark of the Covenant, 186,000 people below the Ark of the Covenant, and roughly 153,000 people on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant. Envision what I'm saying these 12 tribes camped around the presence of God, and what you'll see is from God's point of view, the cross is actually revealed. So there are the 12 tribes in the Old Testament, this was like a long time before Jesus showed up, and when God would tell the tribes to assemble themselves around the tabernacle, uh, they would assemble themselves in obedience to God's direction to express the, the nature of Christ. How many of you know that's exactly what we're trying to figure out? Because as we obey what God says, we begin to express the nature of Christ. Now, this is revealed phenomenally throughout the Old Testament, again, Jesus in every single book, but this is just so uh, uniquely specific to where we're going today. The next picture we have will show not just the formation of the cross, but now here's the actual tabernacle. Those, that, that's a big, tall, white uh, wall, seven and a half feet tall, too, too tall for humans to look over, get over. And then there's one single gate. Would everybody say one gate? There's only one way in. This seven and a half foot tall white wall speaks of God's holiness. And then you go in that one gate. His name is Jesus. Here he is revealed as the gate. And the first thing you get to is this, uh, this uh, altar. That's the brazen altar where the first sacrifice is made. And then the, the next uh, laver, you see that as that little round bowl. And there's a progression of this. There are actually five articles of furniture. And the next picture shows how those five articles of furniture are actually revealed in the form of a cross. And so there as you go to the outer court, there's the brazen altar, brazen labor. You go into the inner court in the holy place. To your left, the candlestick. Right, the table, altar of incense, and then the most holy place where the ark is. It all points back to Jesus. It all points back to Jesus. So we're going to go back to that second picture one more time, and just uh, I want you to get a good look at this, because I want you to let this stew a little bit, okay? Because I'm going to point to this a little later, and you need to really understand. Seven and a half foot tall white wall speaks of the purity of God. One way in the gate, first thing you go to when you go through the gate is what? That's sacrifice, the altar. It's the brazen altar. <coughs> So the bronze altar, bronze speaks of judgment. First thing you go to when you go through the gate is what? The altar. Do you go to the laver where the cleansing takes place? 
No, you go to the altar where the sacrifice takes place, okay? And that's going to lay really well into as we find where Jesus is revealed in the book of Galatians. So let's press in and then we'll come back to this vision in our mind, this visual idea and concept. So recognize New Testament now. We're into the book of Galatians. All this has happened in the Old Testament. Out of that was born all these amazing regulations and laws, the Ten Commandments producing all these different interpretations from all these rabbis and and all these Pharisees and Sadducees, and and, and all this has taken place all the way to Paul's day. Paul was like the Pharisee of all Pharisees. He was the most legalistic and most accomplished in the law, perhaps, of his day. He studied under the very famous trainer, rabbi to all rabbis named Gamaliel that we read about in Scripture. Paul was amazing, and he killed for the cause of the Jewish law being upheld. Then he had this amazing experience with Jesus. We read about this in the book of Acts, and it's where he's knocked off his horse, and he then becomes a convert to the grace of Jesus Christ, and he realizes the Messiah has come. I want to just say, this is huge. This is big. This is like old hat to us because we're Christians, and we hear it all the time, but Jesus has come. The Messiah has come. You and I don't have to go and take animals to die every time, you know, yearly in the sacrifice to to make a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus died. He is the ultimate sacrifice. I personally am really glad that we don't have to go about this process of killing animals every year. Because like if I answer the call of God in that forum, then I'm the one that's standing here getting blood all over everything. You're bringing the animals in and I'm pronouncing the sacrament and the blessing. And, and, and I'm so glad. You got to understand, this is where this all comes together. Jesus is that sacrifice. Everything in the Old Testament spoke of the sacrifice that Jesus would become. Paul was so accomplished in the law, then so established in grace, and now Paul is going around and he's sharing the truth of Jesus Christ everywhere he goes as an apostle, establishing these congregation of believers, these small groups of Christians in the various communities, and then he moves on to the next community. We looked at last week, last two weeks, all the trouble he had in establishing believers in Corinth. Those believers are still there. He's still contending with all of that, and now we're going to get into the book of Galatians, where these these believers that he's introduced to the grace of God in the Roman province of Galatia, and and they've been awakened to the freedom of Christ, and now his letter uh, to the Galatians is addressing some of the issues that were going on in their day after he established this work. Then some of the old school Messianic Jews, some of the old school religious people, some of the people from the former era, they began to kind of creep into the ranks of Christianity, and they said things like this, yeah, Jesus is cool, Jesus is good, that's right, the grace of God, the blood of Jesus, that's really good, but let's not just get rid of everything, because there are some laws that we really need to keep that will really make us holy. That's what Paul is contending with in this letter, and this is where we pick up in chapter 1 as he's starting to address this very issue. And let me just say to you, this is very significant to you as Christians today. I will promise you ingrained in every one of our brains is the lie that we are not absolutely pleasing to God and we must do more to earn his favor, and that is from the pit of hell. You and I are absolutely favored by God because of Jesus Christ. Would you just celebrate that today? You and I are absolutely favored by God because of Jesus Christ. Once you decide, I'm a follower of Christ, then what you're doing is assigning the sacrifice of Christ 
to the sins of your life, and you suddenly stand before God 100% in favor with God Almighty. If you can get that revelation, it'll change the way you live your life, and you will no longer be feeling like, I have to do this, or I have to, you know, I'm not getting everything in my life I really wanted to have. I guess God's not happy with you. That is a lie. And we need to shake free from that, and that's exactly what Paul addresses. This is such a brilliant book for us in that regard to help us. Here's here's where he picks up Galatians 1, verse 6 and 7. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace. Would you say grace? This is an issue of grace and the law. Live in the grace of Christ, and now you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, Some people, Greek language translates knuckleheads, no, not really. Some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Some people are trying to give you a bunch of extra stuff that you need to do. Now, this is pretty uh, fantastic how direct Paul is as he addresses this, walks us through. But let me just make the clear point. Thank God we're in a place where the book is open and the Bible is taught. You've got to understand that's a big deal in the day in which you and I live. There are some pastors today that are standing before their congregations, and I have had conversations with them, and they do not believe that you should take the Bible literally, but the Bible is actually figurative, but they need a job so they're not willing to admit it, so they just extract stories out of the Bible to give nice ideas to help people feel better about life in general, and I want you to understand that is not who we are. God's Word is God's Word. God's Word is truth. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is enough. We don't have to have something more than what Jesus has provided in our lives. We really do need to celebrate that. This is hugely important, and many people like me that stand up and rightly divide the Word on a regular basis, we will stand before God in how we handled and managed this, and I want you to know I am a student of God's Word, our elders are students of God's Word, and we have a lot of conversation about church and theology and the foundation upon which we will build and make disciples as God has called us to as a family. That's who God's called us to be. Make disciples, and we want to stand in that. The book is open, and Jesus is Lord, and when the Scriptures are not clearly taught, people will get confused. There will be confusion. I had somebody, maybe you're in the room uh, last week, caught me new to the church, and they said, can you tell me just a little what the church believes? Because I really like the church, but I'm, I'm not sure what all the belief structure would be. And I said, well, if you're referencing maybe the fundamental ideals of, of Calvinism or, or Arminianism or you know, those types of concepts and ideas, this, let me just assure you. There are going to be people in this church that believe you can lose your salvation, and there are going to be people in this church that believe you cannot lose your salvation. And there are going to be people in this church who speak in tongues, and there are going to be people in this church who don't speak in tongues. And there are going to be people in this church who think it's okay to do this, and they don't, and other people in the church who think it's not okay to do that. But all the people in this church are going to know that they know that they hear on a routine and regular basis beyond all the secondary doctrines that are very enjoyable to have a discussion about Jesus is Lord, and the Word of God is true. Jesus is Lord, and the Word of God is true. 
And I explained that there are two kinds of churches, and you need to understand this, church family. There are two kinds of churches, because I work with a number of churches now and have the opportunity to to navigate through a lot of conversations with church leaders and and elder boards and all those types of things, and there are basically, it all falls into these two categories. There are churches that are born from theology, and everybody has to believe the same way or you're not welcome to be there, and everybody comes in there, and they kind of are always measuring their beliefs to see if they fit, and I just want to say, I don't believe that our difference of opinions of secondary doctrines should ever create division in the body of Christ. I speak in tongues. I hope you speak in tongues. But if you don't speak in tongues, don't quit church over it. There are churches that are born from theology, and everybody has to believe the same way. And then there are churches that are born from fathers. And fathers father the movement of believers that become Christians like newborn babies and we mentor and we disciple and we're patient and we're confident and we're not always right and we're willing to admit it and we create an environment that doesn't require everybody to believe the same way or be right all the time but it's an environment of grace it's an environment of love it's an environment where the church thrives that's who we are that's who God wants us to be more all the time. And the ultimate father is Father God in heaven. So here, this is where we need to understand the scriptures weren't being taught right. The, the leaders were not teaching the scriptures. People were throwing people into confusion. Confusion was beginning to abound. Uh, works, you know, there are many of those believers, they were like embracing this. Yeah, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embrace that because works, let's be honest, works tend to ease our conscience when we erroneously believe God is not happy with us. If I can get you to believe God's not happy with you, I can talk you into a lot of stuff that I shouldn't talk you into because that's built on a foundation of a lie. So rather, I want you to understand the grace of God and the favor of God, and I want you to be confident in who you are, and I want you to raise up your family in that revelation of the grace of Christ. The finish, write, write it down, if you would first blank, the finished work of the cross is the finished work of the cross. When Jesus said it is finished, there's not a caveat. It is finished, but the finished work of the cross is the finished work of the cross. Maybe you've all heard, you get what you pay for. How many know that's true? In the world system, you get what you pay for. But in the kingdom system, you get what he paid for. And he paid for it all. So stop trying to pay with your little bitty pennies what you can never afford, constantly trying harder and more. What else? What else? What else? I'm constantly never feeling good enough. Stop it. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And the book of Galatians reveals this with such clarity. So we really, I, you know, I want you to think just when, uh, when we sin. How many of you have ever sinned? Can I just see? Raise your hand. How many of you sinned this morning? <laughs> I walked in, and there was somebody trying to get the cabinet open in the front doorway, one of our early servant leaders, and, and she's bent down and pulling the, the cabinet, and I walk in, and she has no idea that I've even walked in the door, and I walk over and lean over the cabinet, and I get this, like this is her face, and I get here, she's looking down, and she is cussing up a storm. <laughs> Mom... I, I said, I have never heard my mother use the mother word before. 
<laughs> she, she didn't really say that one. <laughs> no, she was just grunting a little bit and saying, ah, and she's like, ah, and I'm like, right, I'm, no, no kidding, that was going, ah, and I'm right there, I said, hello, then <laughs> she almost did cuss, <clears throat> scared her really bad, it was really fun, and so really, you got to think about, we're going to make mistakes, and our sins, have you ever had one of those prepaid cards, like, Whatever you buy, you just hand the prepaid card. It's prepaid for. This is really going to mess with you. And today we're going to address some religious spirits. And we're going to take a little time with this because there's some religious spirits that need to be addressed in all of our lives. How many know we all have a little bit of Pharisee between the ears? Every one of us in the room. So let's not point fingers and say, oh, they really need this. No, we really need this. I'm not talking about other churches when I gather. I want us to get under the weight of God's Word and let it knock out of us what needs to be knocked out of us and let it put in us what needs to be put in us so that we'll become more of what God wants us to be. So here we are, this prepaid card, the things we do, it's prepaid, like you carry around your prepaid card. No matter what, you, no matter what you're about to exchange, you just give the card and it's paid for. Your sins have been prepaid. Like from the foundation of the world. This is crazy. I know it's hard to understand. From the foundation of the world, Jesus paid for all your sins. And we have no problem understanding Jesus paid for our sins. We became Christians, and now we're serving the Lord. But I want you to know, Jesus not only paid for the sins you already committed, Jesus also paid for the sins you are going to commit. And that messes with us. Because, like, there's really no room for that in my doctrine. I mean, like, you know, that, I mean, that, that starts to really tamper. It really starts to liberate. See, we tend to walk around like a bunch of principled people carrying these problems that need to be solved, never really getting a revelation of God's love. And when we don't have a revelation of God's love, we don't have any intimacy with God. We're just trying to accomplish something all the time, feeling like, I am the worst about this. I have to do more. I, ha I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good pastor. I, I, I'm constantly trying to figure out what should, what should I be writing? What should I be doing? How should I be praying? And, and God so many times just says, Calm down. How many of you, your kids ever made drawings and they were rubbish, as our British friends would say? Like somebody, if you drop that and it's a crayon drawing that looks nonsensical, somebody sees it, what are they going to think? Throw that in the trash. Don't you touch my kids' stuff that they drew for their daddy when they were three years old. I know it doesn't make any sense to you, but it warmed my heart, and I have folders of this junk that is dad's folder of the kids' stuff in my office. And sometimes I pull that folder out, and I look through at some of the most silly things, and it means so much to me. You know what all your awesome work in the kingdom of God is? That stuff. Oh, boy, I can really lead worship. Ooh, I can really preach a sermon. Woo, I can really teach a class. Woo, I can really help with this in the church. It's just a piece of paper that looks nonsensical to God, but he loves it because he's your father. Do you get that? All of our drawings look dumb, but the father really loves them. And, you know, the enemy has to be so frustrated he, they, I mean, he has to be so frustrated. Like, he catches you red-handed sinning against God over and over again and can never get a ruling of anything other than, 
not guilty. Because Jesus is your advocate. Your father is your judge. Not guilty. <laughs> not guilty. Can you imagine how frustrating that must be? Like the evidence is clear. This person deserves to lose all of the love of God. Look at how they treated the blood of Jesus. Look at what they did to their family. Look at what they did in their money. Look at how they treated their taxes. And the father leans over as Jesus says, that's been paid for, prepaid. And the father says, shut up, devil, not guilty. It's an amazing revelation, isn't it? And see, the religious bone in us is saying, pastor just said we can cheat on our taxes. Pastor just said you can have sex with somebody other than your mate. That's not what pastor just said. I'm not talking about your effectiveness in ministry. I'm not talking about carrying your anointing. I hope you come to morning prayer on Tuesday. I hope every one of you do because that's my passion. I've been praying on Tuesday morning here for a long time, longer than most of our youth have been alive. That's how long I've been praying in morning prayer. I really believe in it. And I hope you come. But you know, I want you to hear me say it. Six o'clock Tuesday morning, there are going to be probably 40, 50 people walk through those doors. And those people are going to have no more favor with God than the rest of you who are laying in bed. Not that everybody will be laying in bed. Some people are going to be at work. But you get what I'm saying. I'm glad you're here. There are some people that are not here today. You don't have any more favor with God than people who didn't come to church today. I hope you'll give because we don't exist if you don't give. But you're not getting any more favor with God just because you write a big sacrificial check than the person who just holds it all. Now, now we're all missing out on more life to live. We understand that. But I'm talking about the favor of God. And the church doesn't have this right by and large. There's no such thing as spiritual Christians with more favor and unspiritual Christians with less favor. There is no varsity and JV team. Like the spiritual Christians are varsity and the carnal Christians are JV. Here's the way it works. Jesus is varsity. We're all JV. That's the way it works. And Paul addresses this as he goes on in his writing. Galatians chapter 3, 27 and 28 For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Clothed yourselves. What amazing revelation this is if we could only break that down uh, with not enough time to do so. But like putting on somebody's jacket and now identification, I see that you're in relationship with that individual. We clothe ourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. He's like the Jew of all Jews. But he's now saying there's no difference. Like you might be God's chosen people, the legacy that got established in the earth, or Abraham. You went through all the process of forming the cross, and your your great, 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 great grandfather may have been amazing, most high priest, but you are no better than the Gentile who wasn't even circumcised when he was born. And so in Christ, he's erasing the lines. We're all, Jesus is varsity. We're all JV. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. We are all, we all stand at the foot of the cross together the same in Christ Jesus. If you've accepted Christ, have you prayed to receive Christ? Have you made the decision to follow Christ? If you've made that decision, you're completely standing in the favor of God, 100%. 
like you might be a new arrival, and then there's somebody, they've been here a long time. It doesn't matter. Just because somebody has been a Christian for 40 years and they've read their Bible 50 times doesn't mean God loves them more than somebody who just got saved and you showed up high and you wanted to find out what was going on, but you gave your life to Christ. And that, do you understand? Like you have the exact same favor with God as somebody else. This is amazing. And Paul's breaking it down and he's saying some really cool things. But this, what this does is it helps us move from the attitude of earn and deserve Write it in your blank, please, to the attitude of believe and receive. And in the church, we're way too given to the ideas of earn and deserve. And we need to embrace the revelation that we believe and receive. Now, there's a huge issue. I've been looking forward to talking to you about this all week long because I just think it's awesome. I love it when Paul's so direct. There's a huge issue with these Jews uh, when the Gentiles were becoming Christians. And the issue is the Jews had been circumcised and the Gentiles had not. There's a huge issue with the, with the Jews. They were like, how can you, you know, have favor with God? You've not even been circumcised. we got all these different things. I've, I've been to the hospital a number of times to vi- visit families who just had babies. And when they have baby boys, I kind of go in there with a different feeling than when they have baby girls. Because I know what's about to happen. And the nurse comes through the door and in my head, I hear, dun, 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 Because I know they are going to take that baby from the loving, tender arms of the mother, take it back into a room where the parents cannot hear or see what's about to take place, and they are going to carve off this piece of skin that is ever so delicate. And I'll just tell you, every single time, 100% of the time, babies that get circumcised come back to the mama. They're not happy babies. They are not happy babies. This was a real issue. And the Jews were saying, okay, okay, okay. We'll let you in, Gentiles. But you're going to have to get circumcised. Adults. Think about it. They're saying, you've been carrying around this little extra portion of skin, and what you need to do is have that skin carved off, and if you don't, you're not as spiritual as the people that limp to church for a couple of weeks. You, you You get the idea. Like, this is serious. I thank God I'm free. Woo! So Paul straight up says it in Galatians chapter 5. Fun to read various translations of this. This is what he says in the NIV. As for those agitators, I wish they'd just go the whole way and emasculate themselves. What is he saying? He's saying, man, if you think you're awesome for carving off a little skin, move that blade a little closer to your body and show God really how awesome you are. Like cut the whole thing off and just really be holy before the Lord. That's what he's saying. Isn't the Bible amazing? Like, <laughs> we try to tame it into, I, I just won't tame God. I, you cannot tame the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a warrior. <laughs> He's a warrior. I'm not going to tame it down so nobody gets the boat shaken. I want to stir up some religious spirits that say, you can't talk like that in church. If you can talk like it in the Bible, you can talk like it in the church. 
So now back to the tabernacle that I have your attention. <laughs> Seven and a half foot tall walls, solid white. No man can see over, no man can get over. One way in, the gate. First thing you go to, by the way, the five uh, articles of furniture, years ago we did a whole series on this. And those five articles of furniture actually speak of the five physical senses of humanity. And Jesus surrendered his senses in every way to the cross, and that's what the expression is in there. But the first article of furniture, when you go through the gate, the gate, one gate, the name is Jesus. When you go through the gate, where do you go? The altar. Everybody say the altar. Okay, this is important because there are two altars. There's the brazen altar and the golden altar. This is the brazen altar, bronze altar. Bronze speaks of judgment. And the first thing you do is you just walk in and you stand at this judgment. Now, the temptation might be we want to introduce people to the gate and get them into this place where these seven and a half foot walls, purity. We go past that altar to get right to the laver so we can start getting you cleaned up. I had somebody today, don't, don't make a, a spectacle, you're in the room, uh, and, and I, I'm, I, don't, I don't want anybody to know who I'm talking about, but they, they came in and they said, um, they said, oh man, I forgot my vape. I was about to shake their hands. I said, my hands wet, I forgot my vape. I, I stopped and got a smoke, I had to cheat today. I said, hey man, awesome. Can I just tell you, grow up. Church, grow up. Like, Really? Does it matter to you if somebody smokes a cigarette? Really? Is that a big deal to you? Is that a bother to you? What's, what's important? Well, what if somebody came in the door and said, eh, I was turning tricks last night so I'd have enough money for gas to get to church today? <laughs> the vape section is laughing, huh? I just want to say this loud and clear. And I say it often, you need to hear it again. We Christians sure get mad when people sin in ways other than we do. Amen. Nonsense. Jesus paid for it all. Let me just tell you, smoking's not good for you. It's not a spiritual issue. People in our church tried to make tattoos a spiritual issue. Once. Can't people have tattoos? Don't they read in the Bible? You're not supposed to tattoo your body. And I said, yeah, they did. Right after they read, don't eat a ham sandwich. <laughs> don't make this stuff spiritual. It's not spiritual. Would you just stand? Worship team's going to come. We want to spiritualize everything. See what we do? We spiritualize everything, and then we doctrinalize everything, and then we have a church that's born from doctrine, and it's not a church born with loving fathers. You remember in that Corinthian study we did, Paul said, you got a lot of teachers. They want to teach you what to believe. You don't have a lot of fathers who will walk you through the questions you have. Let me just tell you, you got questions. God's not offended by that. Thomas had questions. We call him Doubting Thomas. We give him a hard time. Bum rap. Doubting Thomas. Jesus never called him Doubting Thomas. Thomas had questions. Jesus said, you have questions. I have scars. That's how Jesus responded to Doubting Thomas. 
And now all these years, we've been messing with Thomas like he's a bad guy. You have questions. You may have questions. I have questions. Like there's a list of things. When I get to heaven, I'm going to be so excited to see Jesus. And then I'm going to make it first. Like I want to be right up front, make an appointment with the Father. I need to know. I'm not sure. This didn't make sense. I'm trying to figure this out. Faith doesn't mean we figured it all out. It just means we're awakened spiritually to the purposes of God. Jesus didn't die to give you all the answers you need to know. Intellectuals. Jesus didn't die to give you all the answers you need to know. He died to rescue you from death of humanity that was ushered in through Adam and Eve and all these generations of, of, of sacrifices. It, it all ended when Jesus came. You're not going to figure it all out. You're not going to have all the answers you want. The Bible doesn't even explain all the answers you feel like you need. There are verses, like there are questions between some of the verses. And that's okay. Like we, do you get what I'm tampering with here? Because like we feel like we've got to get this figured out so that we're right with God. And like there's only one thing you need to figure out. Jesus died on a cross. He is who he says he is. He lived, he died, he was buried in a grave and he came alive and he is today still alive by his spirit illuminating words and worship in this room because Jesus is alive. So this week I want to ask you for your action point. I want to give you your action point out of the week. I want you to read the book of Galatians. Like read a chapter a day and think about what I'm talking about. How many of you will never read Galatians the same again? I mean, you suddenly understand a context and a perspective. It's just so beautiful to see God's Word from a broader perspective. So read every day read a chapter and reflect on what God is speaking to you. I believe, I'm just going to tell you, we've come into a season of amazing flourishing. Listen to me. In fact, I want just all music to stop, and I want to make this statement to stand on its own. I want you to hear me. We, I am declaring as of today, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me that we have come into a season of flourishing. And much of that which has been sown and much of that which has been believed for, not only in our generation, folks, but in previous generations where they did not see the fulfillment of what they had prayed for, much of those things are about to break forth in our lives and in our church and in our family. Come on, call it in. Call it in. We call it in. You know why all that blessing's coming? Because we're awesome. That blessing's coming because we're amazing. Because we worship with our hands raised. We, because we read our Bibles. Because we pray. Because we are amazing. No. We're all JV. I can't explain it to you. Jesus is varsity. It's just coming because Jesus said, it's time. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But I'm telling you, we're coming into a season of flourishing. We're coming into a season of celebrating the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. People are about to get saved that you did not think could ever get saved. Why don't you call in some salvation? Call it in.
So we're coming through the gate right now. I want you just to close your eyes, and we're standing at the brazen altar. We're standing at the altar. And in the Old Testament, this spoke of the moment humanity would meet Jesus. And they couldn't understand it. So difficult for them to get it. They were looking through such a a dark, dim glass, seeing such a beautiful picture. But, But that's where they would stand there and they would look and hope to be one day where you and I are. And here we are. And now we're trying to look back and think of what it was like to stand there. And I just I want you just to close your eyes and I want you to picture coming into the gate. Maybe, maybe some of you, you know, that you, you gave your life to Christ years and years ago. Maybe some of you, like, you're here today and this is that moment for you that you really do need to surrender to Christ. Not that you got it all figured out, not that we're presenting something that like, oh, that all makes perfectly good sense, but because in your heart there's something be awake being awakened. So if you're here and you say, I'm at that altar and I want to follow Christ and I've not been serving Jesus, but today I want to make that decision, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. Just quickly, anybody in the room? I want to make it clear, like this is a decision to begin to serve God. Okay, I want you to think, now we're at the altar and what we have to do is take the time required at the altar and not slip past it to get to that laver. This is so cool. Just You can look up here. <clears throat> when you get to the laver, the, the priest would do all the sacrifice, blood all over, imagine, and then would go to the laver. Before he could go into the, mo- to the holy place, to get into the most holy place, he had to wash at the laver. The laver had mirrors on the bottom. So you've got this bowl full of water with mirrors on the bottom. When you look over in a bowl full of water at a mirror, what do you see? Yourself until the sacrifice enters the water. And when that sacrifice enters the water and the priest begins to cleanse his hands, what do you see? You no longer see you. All you see is the blood. Then you're ready to go in. Come on. Will you go in? Like, you didn't deserve it. When God looks at you, He doesn't see you. He sees the blood. Come on, let's just press in. Like, let's bring something to worship right now. Let's bring something to worship.